Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Open your Bibles, please, to Revelation uh, chapter 2, and we're starting in verse 18. Revelation chapter 2, and starting in verse verse 18. We, uh, uh, back in, in November, had started into the, uh, the seven churches of Revelation, and, uh, you know, for the last month and a half, we've had Thanksgiving and we've had Christmas. And, and so now we're going to uh, dive back into these, these seven churches. We've been through Ephesus and, and Smyrna and Pergamos. And today we're hitting Thyatira. Um, and so, if you would follow along with me, please, starting in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you all, excuse me, you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come." And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed into pieces like the potter's vessel. As I also have received from my father, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks in all that you are as our God. Lord, to be able to be here and and to praise your holy name, and then to open your word and to know how precious it is in your sight. Lord, guide us, direct us in all that we hear. Father, lead us in a path that only you can lead. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. You may be seated, but please leave uh, leave your Bibles open. Um, As as we start on on this one today, um, I'm going to make sure I'm on. I guess I am on. Okay. 
There we go. Now I'm on. Um, there is something about each city that, that when, when we're studying these, and, and I know that what we need or what I do is, is I read the scripture and then I go and study a little bit about, about the city that of uh, where the church, that particular church, is, is located in there. And, and I, I did the same thing here with, with Thyatira. And, and uh, uh, one of the things that, that I found out about Thyatira, that it is probably one of the least important cities um, out of all the, the cities that, that, um, that we cover um, in, in the, with the seven churches. Um, but one of the things, and you need to remember this, um, Thyatira is, is, a, is a bustling um, uh, trade center. Um, yeah, there's a lot of activity goes there. But one of the important things that you need to understand about Thyatira is that they have trade guilds there, or so that you understand what, what, what we're talking about. They got unions, trade unions there, and they're very strong. And so as, as we cover this, you need to kind of keep that in mind because the trade union itself is going, to, is going to come back, and you'll see. But the church has done some good things, and it's like a lot of, a, a lot of the churches, not all of them, but, but a lot of the churches that, that we've studied in here and that, that the Lord, he, he has good things to say about them. There, there's some good points, good points in, in the churches. And, and Jesus says to him, I know your works, I know your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. Good job. That's good stuff. But, but as for your works, as for the works that you do, your last is better than your first. What, what you're doing now is, is more than what you were doing. In other words... Um, what, you've, what you've started on in, in what you're doing in your works. Folks, you can liken this to what, to what we do in, in our works around, around the community. Um, you know, in, in all of the service hours that, that you have, have turned in, the 8,800 hours uh, to date um, uh, are good works. And I've noticed something that, that over the year, um, we, you know, we started out, eh, we kind of started out gangbusters, actually. It seemed like all of a sudden people were saying, hey, the hours that I'm putting in here count. And, and then they went along for a while, and then they kind of decreased a little bit. And you can kind of watch the, the pattern that, that it took. But, but then all of a sudden it seemed like it, seemed like it picked up. And, and wow, you know, you did a good job. You did, a good, you did good stuff. Is, is what I'm trying to say to you. And, but that's what Jesus is saying to the church in Thyatira. You know, what, you, what the last stuff that you did is better than what you did in the beginning because you're getting the hang of it. You're, getting, you're starting to understand what, what we need to do um, as, as a church. Um, your works in the community are increasing, and that's, and that's good. That's good. But here's the thing. Um, the Lord, as he, as he talks to these churches, he, he, gives them, he gives them the praises for the things that they're doing. But there's always a but in there. There's always a but. You know, and as they read these things, they go, all right, what's coming? What's coming? And, and you know, you've got to look at how, how Jesus is, describes himself in, in the church of Thyatira. Um, 
And, and the one that, that grabbed me the most is, is, is the eyes uh, like a flame of fire. Eyes like a flame of fire. Now, what do you think when, when, you, when you hear that description? When, when Jesus, you know, you, you see Jesus... And he's got the eyes. It's not the only place you'll read this. But when you see that, the eyes with the flame, like a flame of fire. What do you think? It means he looks right through you. Wow. There is something about, about those eyes. When they see those eyes, he sees right through you. There is nothing, nothing that is hidden. Nothing. Do you want to know, um, you, you know, you could, you could speak the name of, of any, other, any other god uh, at, at all, at all. You, you could take any, any, uh, um, any religion and, and take whatever it is that they worship and you could mention their names and it does not have the effect on people that Jesus Christ has on people with just the mention of the name. Why? It's, it's, it's because the name of Jesus Christ demands a response. The name of Jesus Christ brings forth um, a, a feeling that, wow, he looks right through me. He sees who, who I am. Do you want to know why, why people, they, they can say they don't mind it when you talk about God, but when you mention Jesus, wow, something else, something else happens there. And that's why. You see, Jesus looks into our hearts. He can see into our hearts. He can look right through us. He can see who we really are. And the problems are is that there is nothing hidden. Nothing hidden. And, and that's what's so amazing about it. I was reading an account the other day about, um, about the great white throne. Um, you know, and, and as I was reading it, it was just, it was, you know, it's, it's in Scripture. Um, scripture talks about the great white throne and, and how, how those who are not saved, not saved, will stand before the great white throne one day. Judgment. That's what we're talking about here. And, and who sits on that throne is Jesus Christ. He's told us that in Scripture. He said, the Father has given all judgment unto me, and so Jesus Christ will sit on that throne of judgment one day. And when you stand in front of him, he opens up the book, and he opens up the other books. And, and everything, believe it or not, everything that you've ever done, is there. And, and, and we're going to answer for that. Not we. If you're not saved, if you're saved, you don't stand before the great white throne. But that is the point where, where people will say, hey, listen, Lord, look at all the good things I did. And that's when he says, guys, it never was about the good things that you do. It's your acceptance of me as your Savior. You see, that's the eyes that look right through you. Wow, that's, that's where it really comes to play. But as, as, he looks at, so as he looks at the church in Thyatira, here comes the admonishments. Here comes the, here's what you do wrong, guys. Um, looking back at, at verse, I'm sorry, at verse 20, 
um, where, where it says, And nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you all allow that woman. I like that. Because <laughs> you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Guys, this is not the real Jezebel, okay? You've, you've heard of Jezebel before. You've read about Jezebel in, in Scripture. This is, he's using, this is a metaphorical name. This is trying to prove a point. This is like when someone looks at you and says, Boy, what are you, some kind of a Benedict Arnold? Or, or someone says, what, what are you, a Judas? You know, well, of course you're not Judas. Of course you're not Benedict Arnold. But it, but it lays out a pattern on who you really are. Well, that's what he's doing with, with the church in Thyatira. Because he's saying, and you allow that woman, that Jezebel. And, and these are the things that she does. And, and I'll tell you what bothered me about that. What, what made me search this out. Because I wanted to go back and I wanted to check out Jezebel. Because he's, he's referring to a woman, a real woman, and he's calling her a Jezebel, and he's talking about sexual immorality. I'm going, I, I don't, I mean, I got to go back and check that out. And so I, I did that. Um, turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings, 1 Kings 16.29. And I go back to the point where, where Jezebel t- is talked about when the real Jezebel is there in, in 1 Kings. And in verse 29, it says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel, and Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. And now Ahab, the son of Omri, um, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, that he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and served Baal and, and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar of Baal in the temple of Baal, which, had, which they had built in Samaria. It, it's almost like he, Ahab married Jezebel. It was like the two likes attracted each other, although that's not the way it, it works. It's usually opposites attract. But evil attracts evil. And, and that's, that's who Ahab was. He, he was evil. He married an evil woman. An evil woman. Um, now, to go, to go a little bit farther, we go back to 2 Kings. 2 Kings uh, chapter 9, verse 22. If you're writing that down. Where it says, And now it happened when Joram and Jehu, that he said... Oh, saw Jehu, that he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And so he answered, What peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. Witchcraft. You see the word witchcraft. We're talking about someone who, who is, is an evil person. Um, when, they, when they bring witchcraft into this. Um, Jezebel out of all the things that she did wrong, was never accused of, of being a sexually immoral person. That's not really what, what she was accused of. We know that, that uh, the worship of Baal was, was uh, uh, involved here. The worship of Baal. 
sidebar here for a second. But, guys, if, think about this for a moment. They worship Baal. If you're not worshiping God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who are you worshiping? Can we say Satan? Okay. Somebody will tell you, no, it's God uh, in another name. Who told you that? The world told you that. Guys, if you're not worshiping God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping Satan. You see, and God by any other name is not God. He's not. I am. I am. I am. Really. It's nothing else. It's nothing else. And so you see, Jesus isn't saying this, this woman Jezebel, this woman is Jezebel, but that she has the spirit of Jezebel. Okay? Do you see by showing you who Jezebel was, now we can see what he's talking about with this woman is, is that she has the spirit of Jezebel. She is like Jezebel. She is like Benedict Arnold or like Judas or whatever. She is, she is like Jezebel. Here we go with the eyes of flame again. He looks right through her. And the only words that he can come up with for her is to say, that's a Jezebel. That's who she is. She's leading our people astray. Sexual immorality. No, adultery. Leading, her, leading the people in adultery. They're, they're seeing right through into her heart. Jesus is looking into her heart and he knows the kind of woman that she is. Now just for a moment... Think about this. Do you think this woman is evil looking? Probably not. Probably not. She's probably a nice lady. Very well could be a, a nice lady. Do, do, you, do you think that, that maybe she has an evil laugh like a, like a Disney wicked queen or something like that? No, she doesn't. I'll bet you she even claimed Jesus as her Savior. I'll bet you she did. I'll bet you maybe she was even baptized. Bet you she was. People were fooled. But you see, she was a teacher in the church. And so you automatically think that if she's a teacher in the church, then she must be okay. Look, she claimed Christ as, as her Savior. She was baptized. Um, she, she does all, all kinds of great things. She teaches in the church. Do you think the, the church was stupid for, for letting someone come into the church and teach an evil point of view? Do you think a church would, would honestly let someone come in and say, hey, listen, um, you know, here's the gospel, but hey, let's get Satan's point of view on this. Do you think the church would do something like that? No, they're not doing that. If the church is really a church, they're not doing something like that. You see, folks, I think that we would be much better in our spiritual lives if we would consider the fact that Satan is not stupid. He's not stupid at all. He can come to you in beauty. He can come to you in kindness. He can come to you in sympathy. He was the most beautiful angel. And he can come to you in all those things. You see, do you know what this woman Jezebel was teaching? 
Do you know what she was teaching? Accommodation with the world. That's what she was teaching. Acceptance of the world. That's what she was teaching. Acceptance which was, which was happening in the world around them. Here's what's going on in, in society around us. And, and this is what she was teaching them. Okay? Do you remember the thing about the trade unions? Do you remember when I was talking about the trade unions? Thyatira was a bustling trade center with strong trade unions, folks. The name, the, the familiar name would be unions. They called them guilds at the time. But it's known, and it's a fact, that to be part of a trade guild of that day required participation in pagan rituals. You had to worship another god in order to be part of the trade union. So if you wanted to work in the trade unions, you needed to be part of, of, pagan, of, of a pagan ritual. To be a member meant to participate in, in religious, uh, religious idolatry and immorality, debauchery. You know, you had to do all those things, but at least you had a job. Do you see? That is what was happening in the society of that time. And this is what Jezebel was talking about and what she was teaching was acceptance of what was going on in, in society. Society would say it was okay. You see, Jezebel taught that you can still worship God and you can still worship the pagan gods. That's what she's teaching. You know why she teaches that? It's for an ease of conscience. An ease of conscience. I feel bad that, that I come to church every day and, 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 I, and I worship God when, when I'm here but you know, I've got to work. And, and in order to work, I've got to belong to my union. And, and if I belong to my union, well, then that means that I've got to worship a pagan god. I've got to worship an idol. I've got to do these things. Otherwise, what am I going to do for money? And, and here would come Jezebel saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay. You worship God when you're here, and when you go over there, you worship another God. That's okay. Nobody expects you to do anything any different because that's what society is demanding of you, you poor person. I wouldn't want you to be suffering at all. So go ahead. Worship the other ones. Guys, I don't, I don't know if this clicks with you, but do you know how often that happens today? Churches that sit back and say, hey, society's changed. The demands in society that they put on you has, has all changed. It's okay. It's okay. You do that. When you come to church, you can worship God. But when you go out in society, you know, with all the pressures that society put on you today, you know, to accept this and to accept that and, and, and all, it's okay. It's okay. You can do that. In fact, some of the churches welcome it. They welcome the change. 
Let, let me show you. A decision between the world opinion and God's command. That is what this really is. You see, God's word never changed. It, it never did. It never did. Man did. Man did. But God never changed. And so because man changes in, in his thoughts and, and, and his, uh, his desires, um, then we come into this split where we can still worship God, but that we can still do what, what man expects us to do. And you know what? Everybody's happy. Everyone's happy. Guys, you know, I, I had to say this, but you can't have this both ways. You can't do this. You cannot. It, it is one way or the other. There is no middle ground here. There is no fence sitting when it comes to the Word of God. You know, I hate to say it, black and white, right there. Well, it doesn't cover well, the things that are going on in society today. Yeah, you're right, it doesn't. Because it's direct and it's absolute. And it does not change. It didn't change. And sitting on the fence gets you nowhere. It gets you nowhere. You see, it's, it's one way or the other. That's the decision. Look over at verse 22 in your Bibles. Uh, Revelation 2.22. Nope, still don't have it here either. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Adultery? Where does the adultery come from? Let me, let me take you back for just a moment. Do you remember something that Jesus said when he was talking about you should never commit adultery? Do you remember what he said? It wasn't even the act. It was here. He said, if, if you look at another woman and you lust for another woman, you've already committed the adultery. Okay? What that is talking about is the giving of your heart to someone else is the adultery. Who is the adultery committed against? God. The adultery is against God. He's the one that created you. He's the one that sent his son to die for you. He is the one that gives you a path to heaven. He is the one that gives you eternal life. And we turn and we walk this fence that says, I'll worship with the world. I'll worship God. Do you, just guys, ask your wives. Hey, <laughs> when I'm home, I'm with you, honey. But when I'm out on the road, I'm with anybody who's there. Well, actually, guys, and girls, come on. Can you imagine, just for a moment, that the God who created the heavens and the earth loved you so much that he would consider what we are in our lives as adultery. That he would consider that who we, that, that if we worship something else, that if we take his word and we throw it away and, and we go off on our own, that he considers that your heart is not with him. Oh my goodness, look at that time. But that it is, your, your heart is not with him but that it's with someone else. 
And God considers that adultery. Guys, where's your heart at today? Where is it today? Is, is, it, is it with the Lord on some things, but on other matters, we kind of kick the, the, the book to the side, the Bible to the side, and say, hey, I'm kind of on my own on this. Is that where your heart's at today? Are, are, are you guilty of adultery against the Lord? Guys, when, when we come to the table, and I apologize, when we come to the table, folks, We have given our heart to the one who has given his heart to us. His heart is ours, the heart of God. He gave, he loves us so much that he gave his son for us, for the forgiveness of our sin, that we could have eternal life through him. Folks, this is a God that that loves us so much. Don't walk the fence with him. Be his. Be every bit of his. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart And we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.